Welcome to Creating in the Cracks, a writer and illustrator. Mothers who create art and children, sharing anecdotes, advice and support in the crazy world of artistry and motherhood. Sarah is a writer of historical fiction and a mother of four young children. She lives in the Macedon Ranges, Victoria. Lessie is an illustrator who writes on the side, living in the Blue Mountains with her husband, five kids and her cat. Welcome to episode seven of Creating in the Cracks. I'm Sarah Fidelez and I'm here with Lessie Doyle. Lessie, how's your week been? It's been good. It's been good. Uh, it's been pretty good too. I've actually, I've been, my lows this week, I've been just a bit tired and crabby. So I went um, gangbusters last week on working on my manuscripts and um that caught up with me a little bit, so I've been a bit tired and grumpy and under the weather. Yeah. Um, oh, well, it's, not, it's not bad. Like, it's the sort of thing where, you know, back in the day you'd just go to bed early and you'd be right. You just can't do that anymore, so it just kind of lingers, which is a bit annoying. Um, I mean, yeah. even if you do go yeah. to bed early, then up again. Yeah, so I actually yeah. fell asleep on the couch this week and I don't remember the last time I'd done that. It was so disorientating. I usually get a second wind at night time, even when I'm knackered. It's just because I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. to do, husband to talk to, books to read. <laughs> anyway. Thinking to do without Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's right, though. The, um, the highs this week, and one of them's not really a high, it was just like, you know, a personal best, I guess, is on my Instagram today. I, Shane, I've done some cooking with the kids this week. I hate, oh, I saw oh, that. I hate cooking you. with the kids. No, good on you. Yes, right. it's, I mean, it's so good for them, but oh, my goodness, it is like. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not. I'm not good at it. You've got to be very yeah. organised. I'm not a very organised sort of person. And it's got to be done by four o'clock, I've learned. No one's allowed in the kitchen after four o'clock. It's just too dangerous for everyone. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I so, agree. So I got them Completely. in shifts. I got one of them to make a slice. And this is a slice that she can make on her own because the measurements are all just derivatives of the one measuring cup. So, you know, three of this, two of that. She can yeah. count that much. So that was good. And then I got the next one to ice it and put sprinkles on. And then I got the third yeah. one to um, do gingerbread biscuits with me. He did the cutting out and the rolling. I did the making. Oh, they I love know. Cutting out. They love no, it. So it's like so I can just keep him away from the blender so and the buttons. <laughs> I'll do that bit. Yeah, I've been. I've been getting our big two occasionally to, um, also not going mental, um, help me with food prep from doing dinner and they want yep. to touch at me. It's teaching them to chop yeah. them closely without, we haven't had any. So I think they're doing that. But that's, the, the shift is a good idea too. I think that's the hard thing is getting them to negotiate letting each other have a turn, I think. And not yeah, and I just find it too, I don't have the patience for that. Patience is not... Although actually we've been doing virtues with the kids. I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but um, what we're learning about virtues is the things you find really hard are actually your secret superpower, but you've got to practice them. 
<laughs> so maybe patience is my virtue I, like and I just you. haven't pumped that muscle yeah, yet. I think it is. I, I have never, like, yeah, I have never struck me as someone particularly impatient. That may be because I live with a fiery iron, <laughs> but... Um, well, I didn't think yeah. I didn't know I, I had a lot know. of flaws until I had children, and you know, conditions are suddenly less than ideal. <laughs> you realise <laughs> depression maybe you're not as well put together as you thought you were, <laughs> and you're only two bad nights of sleep yeah. away from being a total psychopath. So that's been very humbling. Well, it, or, or or just like one interrupt, you know, one interrupted meal or half-eaten lunch. Yeah, I do remember actually watching um, it's a Tom Hanks film called Bridge of Spies and there's this snippet in it yeah. where they, um, the Russians, it's a Cold War movie, the Russians have caught an American soldier and they're putting him under psychological torture and he's just falling asleep, they're waking him up, they're showing lights in his eyes, they're asking him questions, there's just random noises going on at all points and I was looking at it, I was like, this is why I'm going insane. This is what I live with. I just kind of felt better about myself. <laughs> I'm only human. I, yeah. I really love Michael Rickenpah's pieces on parenting. He's a British comedian. If you haven't heard of him. And he just, just catches it. I love it. He's talking about getting you know, pants on kids and how they can never find their pants or their shoes. Um, and you know, in jackets, like when you try and zip up, when you, you know, when a single person zips up their jacket, they just, it just glides up. And when you're trying to do it on a kid, I can't, because I'm just speaking, you can't say, but you know, when you, you can't get it together and you're struggling to get it, just, just get it on and the kid's moving. But then he talks about, you know, then waking up at two o'clock in the morning with his son right in front of his face <laughs> and saying, I've got my pants on, baby, and my shoes. <laughs> And then he says, where's your brother? He's standing by the front door ready to go. <laughs> it's so like, true. Yeah. This is why. Yep. So apologies to all the single people if we seem a little. Well, I've got an uncle who stays over occasionally and I've got one of my kids in as a wanderer during the night and um, he'll just go to the... <laughs> cupboard fetch himself a wheat bix and if he can't get the milk sorted himself he'll just munch on a dry wheat bix and my uncle was sleeping on the couch one night <laughs> so he woke up about two and there's my son just sitting on the arm of the couch leaning over him munching on a wheat bix <laughs> just watching him sleep like a total psychopath <laughs> and he said he just sort of he's like you're right he's like yeah okay and he just went back to sleep and then he got up to go to the toilet <laughs> in the night and tripped over this mound on the floor, which was my son who'd half made it back to bed uh, and fallen asleep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, but yeah. I've got to tell you so my was... all-time high this week, which has nothing to do with the children and everything yeah. to do with my fabulous in-laws. They built me a laundry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've got a laundry bench. My, my brother was um, – yeah. doing away with his front loader and we had a top loader which was fabulous but yeah. not much space in the laundry so I've now got like this neat little European laundry thing going on and this fabulous Tasmanian oak timber bench top made out of a recycled floorboards. Can you please 
Can you please yeah, should. the bench top because you still haven't shown well, it moved. Well, the whole benefit oh. of a laundry bench top is I had the babysitter coming over when I went to work on Wednesday and usually we just sort yeah. our clothes in the laundry on the couch. It's like, oh, babysitter's coming over. I just picked up the washing, put it on the laundry bench, closed the door. How's the study? Amazing. That's it. When the clothes are away, I'll, I'll eat this up with a plant there or something in Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, reality stuff. versus Instagram. Yeah, your your renovations are clever. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching them. Yeah, yeah, fun. yeah actually, we've been here for. Yeah. Eight years now, and we have renovated mm-hmm. every single year. I've noticed, but like yeah. major renovation. Yeah, which is impressive. We pulled the carpet up this year and put a laundry bench in. I think that's yeah. That counts. Yep. We that haven't replaced count. the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> We've just pulled it up. <laughs> um, but yeah. tell me about your week, Les. Yeah. Okay, Lowe's. We start with Lowe's and work our way up. Um, I think that's oh, and now it's escaped me. Uh, the Nutella's oh, gone missing. Someone's on a high then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a cereal Nutella thing. Um, I very rarely get it because of this because he's also a monkey. Um, so it doesn't matter where I put it, he will find it. So yeah. Nutella's missing. Um, there's been several involving bodily fluids, (laughs) teary children. It's just been one of those weeks where it kind of all There's definitely an outside toilet incident Um, when I was on the phone to you the other day, but I think you made the child sort it out themselves, so that was (laughs) was pretty successful. The first of many, actually, okay, so that is like a mix high and low so it's a low because you know i prefer the toilet with you but it's a high because he's taking responsibility and he's you know actually not completely like incapable of cleaning it up which is good um but yeah so that was not so fun um and so i'm very incoherent at the moment but the high was um, our <gasps> Oh, what for? Um, for collaboration in classwork. Excellent collaboration in classwork. Which is really, it's actually really good for her because peer-to-peer engagement for her has always been a trouble. Um, so collaborating in group work is like a really good deal for her. So that's really, no, really... No, he pretended he was wearing purple eyes Funny story. Sorry, that's very funny. (laughs) Um, Funny stories I've told. I've just introduced the kids to Bluey, the ABC show. People have been raving about it at work. And my kids love it because I can, particularly my eldest, it's just all about driving your parents insane as far as I can go. But the humour is so spot on. But also, I, I love. That they've got an awesome yes, dad, you know, and and mum is awesome too. But I, 
there's often in in little kids shows the dad takes a very very diminished role and it's just so nice to see the play that goes on and the like it's I love it. Yes, now I was having this conversation which I've had with you and your husband before about Peppa Pig. I was having that with my husband yeah. this week because he's never really watched it before. Really? Daddy. And he's like, I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Yeah, and um, I said, yeah, I have, I have noticed that, that the dad's just, you know, a bit goofy and silly. Yeah. I was like, but then every now and then he comes they through. They do have dedicated episodes to, like, yeah. some dad factor. Like they do have like, you know, super daddy pig and daddy coach and stuff like that. But I think with Bluey, it's very coherent. There's no sort of competition. It's just that both the parents are yeah. different things. And you can see that. And um, it's really nice to see also um, the way that they, there's all this chaos and crazy of, of normal family life, but a really nice balance between mum and dad working and being home and, and both playing and communicating with the kids yeah yeah it looks i haven't actually sat down watched the full episode yet but um it does look very funny i'm always giggling when i walk through start with the episode yes that's the one i walked through like (laughs) poor dad's trying to order take the epitome of my life (laughs) and there's just disaster after disaster going around him it might be a bit triggering for my husband after i think he's still recovering from my weekend (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's just, but it's so good because he ends up embracing the chaos and it's 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 true it's and i think the blokes are actually better at that like they're happier to just call it quits sooner than we are i think yeah, because they have yeah. to live with the consequences for shorter periods of time perhaps <laughs> yeah i think they can get away with it. yeah certain things though um if you know it doesn't work um yeah, absolutely. There are some things that if I did that, it'd be completely yep. enough to chaos. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but tell me about your high this week. Yeah. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really, really good. Um, yeah, so it was really, really tricky. Um, so that was really, really rewarding for her, I think. She's quite um, articulate about what's going on in her head. Oh, that's good. Aware. So, but she really struggles at a peer level. She's very bad at peers. So, yeah, so that was a real win. And, and her teacher's beautiful. Really, I think that the timing of this award was just so good for her. Like, she's just been really nervous about a few things and anxious so it's just giving her a bit of a boost um oh, teachers are clever aren't they they are and they're just yeah teachers are awesome we've had some really really amazing teachers so far and that is yeah awesome. um so yeah so that's really the high and um, we got to school on time both the mornings that i was taking the kids to school so good you know, good. Winnie. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, thank Winnie. goodness there's a bus. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to go next year otherwise. <laughs> oh, I'm look. I'm really. I'm so lucky. I'm like so lucky. Um, I have to. While I'm talking about it, I'll give a shout out to my mother-in-law because she takes my kids to school three mornings a week, 
which awesome. is really, really good. Um, it's really nice for her and, and the older two to get time together. And it's just really simple and stress-free. And it's really good for my little ones who are still at home just to have a really fun morning. Yep. And pajamas. And, you know, now I have to pork yeah. So, yeah. So it's a win-win. So I'm really, really lucky. And... I do a few afternoons because I have friends who bring my kids home for me a couple of afternoons a week. So yeah, that's awesome. I always often wondered because it's um, in the mountains. That's really well organised. The mums are really clever at picking it because everyone's got a bazillion kids, and so I've never quite worked out how they all fit. (laughs) How anyone had room to pick anyone else's children up, but they all manage it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um. So with the schools that we go to, the, the boys and girls are together for kindy one and split off at year two. And so what a lot of the mums will do is instead of all the mums having to do the girls' school and the boys' school, if they've got kids at both, is that they'll swap doing one each. Um, so that way, you know, someone's just on the girls and it's easy enough to, you know, then they've got room yep. in their car because the boys are going to someone else or whatever um and also divvying kids up um you know all of my kids are too small to sit in the front seat so one afternoon a week i bring a friend's daughter home who's older who can sit in the front seat just being clever you know yeah basically yeah just getting in there um yeah one friend who I don't, it's like I don't do any favours to her in a sense. Like she just basically picks my kids up. With, I don't have enough in my car to pick her kids up. Um, and she doesn't, she's just a really generous soul. And really lucky to have yeah. people around. But it's, good. it's what makes having lots of kids achievable. <laughs> easier. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now it's just gonna get a little bit noisy because I have to go change the television over. Sorry, <laughs> so gotta play child number three's show now. This is how we podcast, yeah. Um, but Les, I saw on your Instagram this week that you have been practicing with your oil sticks. Oh, I've been experimenting. So this is my first foray. Into yeah, so anyone who wants to see what oil sticks are, um, maybe put out like a proper picture up because your story will be gone by the time the podcast comes out. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in, I'll put it back up on my, you know, oh, you can no, your story. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we did. You can actually now put um, highlights. Ah, yeah, I had seen those several things so. and I just thought they were like professional people that had yes. like a these sorts of websites and things <laughs> no so you can say to like that's what i've been doing with the daily drawings as well i've got now got a <sighs> highlights reel of the daily drawings so you can go back and see all the daily drawings that i've been trying to do <sighs> um and then i have so i've got one that's dedicated to the name illustrations that i do and then I think I've got yeah okay all right Can't yeah do that them. yeah so I will do that with the oil experimentation. Um, but yeah, no, it's here. Yeah, so this is my first real in-depth sort of leap into oils. I've never really felt brave enough to try them. Um, 
And I like that you can manipulate them. I think this, this will tie into sort of what I've been learning this week because um, with yep. yeah, learning and accountability. Um, so I've been experimenting. I've started that, which is great. What I've been learning is that the beauty of them being so malleable and being able to have all that time is that you can be a lot more patient with your work, which is actually really hard for me. I like to just... <laughs> Which is fair enough because you don't have a lot of time. Well, yeah, basically. So with this, this is going to be really interesting because basically what it, I think it allows you to do more than watercolour does is to really build up the structure underneath your work. So this is where, you know, I guess like blocking in, especially like being shadow and light and all, and like having an underpainting. Like that's where all of that comes into it. And you don't you don't have that with watercolor. With watercolor, you just like you just doing it. I mean you have a couple you can do layers for sure, but it's not the same as the underpainting of an oil painting. It's it's really different. Um sort of with watercolor it's very set and once you've done that, you can't like once you've done that basic structure of your work, you can't really change it um but oil yeah seems much more flexible which is going to be interesting and make me be more patient and that is probably a good thing i think it will, it's making me approach it differently and i was thinking about it this morning and i think it will be good because with this particular work that i want to use oils for um it's a really special one and i want take your time to, yeah i think yeah and just really really capture the the beauty of the subject um it's it's a memorial portrait to do with infant loss and so yeah. it's a really special okay. one and so not the one you're practicing on today yeah which was a puppy dog. No, like, so I, is that right? Uh, it was. <laughs> I didn't do a full. I didn't do it. I didn't do a full shot of it because it wasn't worth it. Um, uh, it was. It was actually Avery, one of my. Ah, uh, cute. Um, it was a close yeah. up of Avery's face. Um, yeah. Avery is a rabbit. A hare, I should say, not really a rabbit. Um, yeah. So I. It was just to sort of get start playing around with it. Um, so I'm still, I haven't actually started on the final piece of the portrait, but I think I'm another oh, step awesome. closer to that, which is, which mm. is good. And in the meantime, you have mm. word goals. like Slashing word term. goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got it down to 124,800 this yeah. week, which is that good. Is yeah. Because um, what was your, your goal? What was your goal? Was it one? It was one twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Nearly there. So that was pretty good. Um, and yeah. um, I want to get it finished this week. I'm trying to work out how far through it I am because I can't see the whole book in the sidebar, <laughs> so I can never work out. I'm probably oh, I'm two thirds <laughs> of the. Oh. Yeah, just over halfway <laughs> through. Um, not as close to the end as I thought. All right, I might not get it finished this week. 
yeah. but you know I'd like to get it really close to being finished this week <laughs> absolutely we'll just yeah um and the other thing i'd like to do is i'd like to um write at least one or two scenes for my next book because i've been thinking about that a lot i mean the good thing about editing is at this point of editing i don't actually have to think about the story anymore like the story set the characters are set i think i don't know i think they are um and so all i'm doing is just cutting words out of it so all my mental time can go onto the next book which is nice and yeah yeah, nice so I've up. been sort of a bit more in that headspace. I'd like to write maybe two scenes for that this week. So that would be good. I've written already okay. written a handful of scenes for it. Um, yeah, yeah so yeah. I might do that, I think. Um, and your inspiration this week? Mum and Dad's photos still, they're coming in nicely. Yeah, they're still coming. They're still coming. They made it to the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, which is one of my favourite places in the world. Um, we, my husband and I did a trip there not long after a marriage. It wasn't our honeymoon, it was a bit later. Um, and, oh, gee, it's stunning. It's just, the, the photos can't capture the atmosphere that it creates, um, the light and the structure yeah. And, yeah. and the colour. It just, it, it from the outside looking into the Sagrada Familia, it, the, with, this is the, um, just for those people who don't know the Sagrada Familia, it's a cathedral in Barcelona, Sagrada Familia means Holy Family. It was designed by Antoni Gaudi, who began building it, um, but it initially it was only built off donations that people would make um generally donations um so a lot of naughty donations. people in barcelona <laughs> <laughs> so that's what initially that's what it was just built off they're now, still building it aren't they? Um, they haven't finished it the, they are still building it so um the history of it is very interesting so it's got all these different it's got a lot of spires and um different facades and unfortunately some of the plans got burnt in a fire so one of the facades was redesigned by another artist um we and his style is completely different to Gaudi but I really loved it and so did my husband actually and my husband is more his taste is um more on the traditional side um of art he's yeah sort of (laughs) and you're pretty much Um, the opposite (laughs) well I like both I like both I yeah have a place for both um but he really liked it too and I think part of the beauty of having such a different style is that it actually kind of makes it, it kind of lifts Gaudi's work up a lot and 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 separates the two so it, it's like this artist was not trying to be Gaudi which I think was really important because I think if he tried to be Gaudi for that facade it just it wouldn't have worked so by doing something quite distinct it kind of ended up just like it's like a separate yep. body of work on its own. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's just beautiful. It, 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 the atmosphere is just completely all encompassing. And you, so on the outside, it looks like a beehive almost, like it looks quite enclosed. And um, that's one of the beautiful things about Gaudi's work is he draws heavily from nature. 
in his inspiration and from the outside it looks like this hive and almost like you can't get in and that it would be really dark like a gothic cathedral and you go in and it is all white and the light that comes in is phenomenal and the the stain and through these beautiful stained glass windows and so you come in and it, it feels like you're in a beautiful forest because the columns are like these huge buttresses that just fly up and they're at an angle they're not just straight up and really he, he captures with stone with marble he captures this this the softness of nature and it's it's just clever yeah, yeah. you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> um so, so yeah it was really nice that my parents are over there so they're sending through photos and nice to kind of relive that which is, it's just, yeah, it's always nice to revisit those sources of inspiration and how to draw from, also because he drew so much from nature, just how you can draw from from nature and in different mediums and, and experimenting. Awesome. Genius. Way ahead of his time. So, around yeah. people, people like that. Well, yeah, because he's dead. Yeah, he died. Looking up at a building, walking backwards, he got run Oh, what a way to go. Like, if you're an architect, that is the way to go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he was like, he was was old. No, he wasn't. But um, anyway, yeah. So I need to go in my 90s, scrawled over Mm. my just almost finished, most fabulous manuscript. (laughs) And you need to go. You need to go um, with the outline almost but not quite complete of your best canvas yet and so people aren't actually quite sure what it's going to be but they can tell it's going to be fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we'll arrange that <laughs> in about uh, yeah, totally. 80 years, 70 yeah, years from we'll now. Yeah, all right. Well, just let me know. Uh, Yeah, so you better start painting it in like 55. Just start start the work up. It's a deal. It's a deal. We'll be in the nursing home, hopefully together, but probably on opposite sides of the country. Uh, Well, I've been drawing inspiration this week from. Uh, two sources. I'm reading, so I'm reading up books for my second novel, which is set in Paris. Um, so I'm reading Paris on the yes. Brink, which is Paris in the 30s, which you would love actually, because um, it's all the crazy artists mm. and the crazy writers <laughs> hanging out together. Yeah, I was going to say it's like this podcast, but more glamorous. <laughs> No, <laughs> getting drunk and having arguments over the merits of one artist or author versus the other. Um, and yeah. so it starts in 1929 just as the crash is happening and then each chapter is a year and so I'm in 1930 at the moment. It's really good. Um, they did a okay. bit on Salvador Dali who... Um, that's I know that's when I first heard the Dada movement. What is that? Yes. Because I just write it like I should know, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what that is. Sounds <laughs> like it was the precursor to surrealism, maybe. Yeah, it was. So the, yeah, so yeah, they kind of all blend together a little bit. 
because they're all happening at the same time and drawing on each other. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly sure they came up with a specific criteria. Criteria, kind of, uh, criteria um, when they kind of built their dream. And it wasn't um, just art, like painting, was it? It was kind yeah. of like a way of life. No, it wasn't. No, there's actually some, uh, gosh, I can't remember who took them. I can't remember who the photographer was. There are photos of Dali that were created by a photographer, and but in that, it, they were fantastic um, in that style, in the Dadaist style. It's one of those words that I struggle to say. Hang on one second. I'll see if I can find it. Um, and... It's it's classic Man, because right? he comes up a lot in the book too. Uh, takes yes, I think so. I think it would be, yeah, it would be Man Ray. Um, yeah, they're those they're the ones like when you you know Dali's moustache is up crazy and he's flying through the air and the cat and um, yeah, they would be Man Ray. I'm just trying um, to find them. They said an interesting thing about Dali because he's got a rep for being a bit crazy but they're like well we're not sure if he's as crazy (laughs) as he was or he just pretended to be because he knew it would get him the reputation yeah places yeah Mm, that's interesting um i'm pretty sure it was dali and frida carlo who were um they were lovers for a while. I think they all were. Unless we're <laughs> it's like we only had to well, spend yeah, five totally. in someone's proximity. Um, and then that's it. Uh, yeah, no, they were just, yeah, because, I mean, Frida Kahlo is amazing herself. Um, so I'm just That's okay. Look. While Sorry. you're looking, the other thing I've been drawing inspiration from this week is a podcast my brother recommended to me actually called Hardcore History. And so the one I'm listening to, like the episodes are like three plus yeah. hours long. And so it just goes into wow. the. Wow. Yeah, it goes That's into proper detail about it. Um, and so the one I'm listening to is on the First World War. And it's all about sort of the yeah. lead up to it and the breaching of Belgium in the First World War. So it's really interesting. And it's wow. from cause military. T- Histories of the war tend to be a little bit militarized. Um, and this yeah. guy's just clearly a history nerd. He's American and is, I haven't found a lot of American podcasts that are about anything, like history podcasts that are about things other than American history. Um, mm. So it's really interesting to hear his take on it because I think, you know, if you're a British historian or even an Australian historian, there's a whole lot of... Mm lenses that you may not even know are there which you know he doesn't have so yeah it's really good yeah. I really recommend it um, I'm learning heaps and uh, it's just really interestingly told yeah it makes yeah. a difference when it is um, when it's told in a really sort of coherent way that's yep. easy to engage with it makes yep. a big difference um, it was one of my favourite periods um, the 30s and all through yeah. time I remember when we were doing it at school fascinating stuff um but no i going back sorry going back to the other um to Salvador Dali I'm getting confused between him and Diego Ribeiro uh. so completely 
with Frida Kahlo. That's like my brain <laughs> mashup. It's like they just blend in because um, I haven't I haven't read been reading my art history very much for a number of years. I wonder why. <laughs> um, but yes, no. Um, the, yeah, it's fascinating what. Particularly photography during that and era, cin- actually. Cin- I can't say this word. Cin- that's the one, thank you. Cinematography, yeah. The, both those things during the 30s and, um, I mean, you can you can see it so distinctly in the propaganda of the Nazis, um, how much that played a role for them with uh, and how, how much Goebbels utilised it. Um, Leni Riefenstahl was the Nazi... Um, cinematographer and she was phenomenally talented um and they really they used it very effectively um to spread their ideology um and so you see the same thing over in art um just what they were able to do and how groundbreaking it was i think it's in the digital age now it's it's very difficult to be as groundbreaking as that as they were um yeah with media like photography yep. and, and cinematography um now it's all in animation and all that kind of stuff but um i think now of that kind of um, experimentation and innovation has slowed down um but it's yeah it is absolutely fascinating history of photography um well in the first world war they were still 1800s. using and they did to a certain extent in the second world war but not as much they're still using war artists because norman Lindsay yes was a war were. artist and yes. um his brother, was. brother-in-law was a essentially a propaganda writer um yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah by the second world war they were using yeah. actually someone was telling me this week about a film Oh, it was a girl, it was um, the lady I was sitting next to at the Romance Writers Guardian, actually, one of her favourite films, I can't remember the name, but I'll look it up and post it later on, is about um, a group of filmmakers in the Second World War in London making propaganda films. Mm. So, yeah, it had strongly moved to film by the Second World War. Mm, Yeah. And they played them before all the movies and the movies were huge. Yeah, well, you see it in um, Dad's Army. I know it's a comedy, um, a comedy series. Um, it stars Arthur Lowe and John Lemazuria. Um, and it's it's uh, based on the yeah. Home Guard, Dad's Army. So, but you see them, they, they go to the films, the cinema sometimes, and they had the reels beforehand. They don't necessarily show you what's on the screen, but they have the news and the characters are making commentary on on the various things that pertain to them, um, which, yeah. So it was definitely a very powerful medium at the time. It was huge like because it, it was so it's new. So it was popular. just and I, and And you can imagine people having gone from reading about things in a newspaper so all of a sudden seeing it actually on a screen would have been quite confronting. And so I think in that sense it was it was such a powerful propaganda yeah. tool. Yep. And in the um so. this podcast makes the point that in the First World War, the British were all over the propaganda and the Germans 
and you know just that stereotypical german like rigidness of thought just to stretch the truth like that wasn't in their playbook whereas the allies no. were all over it no. from the start so um it's <laughs> more devious about it um <laughs> well we just certain think of think of certain friends of mine who are have strong Irish roots and yeah, well, they what they did, which had yeah. and he said it wouldn't work today because we've grown up in a century of propaganda, like people just aren't as yeah. unquestioning as they used to be. And the sorry, Maybe that's my daughter walking the concrete truck, being very proud of herself. Um, <laughs> the um, yes, yeah, so what they did is they because the Germans, when they came through Belgium, they didn't actually want to invade Belgium. They just kind of need to walk through Belgium to get to Germany. So if you guys yeah. could just, like, not get in yeah. our way, and they're like, well, no, we can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Belgium put up a fight. They got slaughtered. And yeah, it's not that atrocities weren't true. committed because they were, and the sort of the German thing was we're going to smash them we're going to smash them hard but it will be brief which in the long run is more merciful than a drawn out protracted war for everyone um and then um the british got pictures of i think it was like a franco-prussian war or maybe the crimea i can't remember conflict that had happened previously yeah and um put photos of like mounds of dead up and bodies that have been mutilated and then just put a caption Germans come through Belgium and nobody questioned it. So um, he said the British propaganda in the First World War, to a lot of extent, the Germans are still recovering from. Sorry, just And the other thing I learnt this week um, was that, um, well, it's something I heard of again in this podcast, which I want to look up is um, he had an American journalist giving his account of the Germans coming through Belgium. And this is before everyone had decided to hate on them. This is when the Americans were neutral. No one kind of knew how far this war was going to go. And not everyone in America thought it was a bad idea. There's a lot of American-German people living in America that were just so impressed by their country's initiative and the war machine and all the innovation of the industry. So it's really... I think the other thing... No, no, that's all right. Sorry to cut you off. Um, the other thing that really shocked me as a teenager learning about this period of time is that the anti-Semitism of the Nazis was not isolated. To no. Well, the French were fairly famous for it. And... Oh, well, it's just that, like... It, it really, that was something as a teenager that shocked me when I was yeah. learning about it. Yeah. Quite distinctly. Yeah. Um, and, and that this, like, the same across towards America, while the anti Semitism may not have been the initial motive and it was more that they were away from Europe and didn't want to be part of it, that all of those things sort of play a role and that was a massive. Yeah, and it wasn't really an issue in the First World War either. Like, it sort of wasn't a thing but um i listened to um simon sharma has a great bbc document he's got a great um two volume book out on the history of the jews and he did a bbc documentary about it 
And his sort of Mm. take on it is when the chips are down, the Jewish people know they're one of the first scapegoats that are going to get targeted. So he's like, even if as a race you've been settled in a country like in Spain, for I think there were 600 years in Spain, so there's always this part of mentality that knows one day you might be reaching for your suitcase. So, Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. I've actually, I think even recently in in New South Wales, I remember reading an article recently um, about um, the Jewish community here and they're experiencing increased levels of um, of racism. Uh, I can't remember what was to do with though. But it always, it's always a worrying mm. thing, I think, for people who haven't been here as long as other people and, and that kind of thing. It's always, I think it, it does niggle at the back of the mind um, as you become more aware of other and people. Their backgrounds and struggles. Certainly. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, so I'm, my heritage is very multinational. And mine is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny it wasn't uh, it wasn't until I was an adult and, and certain people made comments that I ever thought of myself anything other than Australian it just never occurred to me um, I mean I was always very proud of my heritage and very aware of it but culturally I am a and, and, and also through my heritage as well, but culturally I was, you know, I was born here, have never been anywhere else, all that kind of stuff. But, it, it, yeah, it, I think growing up in a really positive environment, I, you know, none of my friends better than I live, um, all that kind of thing. But then you come into, you come into the big white world and then you kind of, it, it doesn't ever cease to surprise me some of the things that people come out with. Um, and I think it's, that's, I guess that's why history is also so important. It's so important. Yeah, Um, we were having um, an interesting uh, conversation about this at the Romance Writers Conference. I had a diversity panel on it and one of the girls um, was from the UK and I was chatting to her before the panel and that means she's obviously from the UK because she's got a British accent. But her heritage is Jamaican, I think. And so, and I was just saying that, you know, for someone like me who is from probably the most non-diverse place on the planet, everyone is Irish Catholic and has been, you know, since they were herded off a boat whenever for stealing sheep and chickens. (laughs) Everyone has the same background. Where, yeah. yeah, you can't really marry yeah. anyone from my town anymore because you're probably just too related. <laughs> so I have a huge interest problem. in other people's cultural diversity because it's just so interesting to me and so exotic and glamorous. And yeah. I also happen to work in West Melbourne, which is just oh, such a rich, diverse cultural place. Um, but yeah, with this whole conversation coming up about, um, you know, people get tired of answering the question of where are you from because it's oh, seen yeah. as derogative and um, 
Yeah, so yeah. it was interesting we were talking about framing yeah. and the way you talk about things because I don't say that. Oh, actually, I said it to a guy once um, who I was at another writer's conference and he was a barista with thick, thick French accent. Um, yeah. But he was originally from Haiti, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, somewhere that had just had a cyclone was all talking. I was like, where are you from? I just felt the girl next to me who was an academic. I just felt her tighten and just draw away from me. Like, you can't ask. They said, oh, I'm from Paris. I'm like, oh, how, do you, how does Melbourne compare? <laughs> anyway, we're chatting away. But, like, yeah, so it's just about, I guess, being sensitive in the questioning. And, and it is tr- it is, it's a tricky one to navigate. It really yeah. is. Um, you know, um, <sighs> Because, it, and it can be hard, like, for me, I think when people have asked me, oh, okay, well, where are you from? And it's like, well, I'm Australian. And I say, but my, you know, my family is originally from, you know, so <laughs> These so seven so. continents. <laughs> uh, and they said, <laughs> basically. Uh, um, but it can be hard to... it that was definitely part of growing up was being able to come up with some sort of coherent explanation for your identity as an Australian and yeah. also as someone with a heritage that's yeah. not Australian. Um, so I think I didn't find it really as difficult as some of my siblings did. Um, one of my siblings particularly, I think more than the rest of us, um, Maybe it's because she has ten more tans than I. <laughs> um, but I know that she is has certainly been much more aware of it than I was um, from a younger age. Um, and yeah, it's a real. It, it becomes a real thing because it's it, it's part of your identity, and obviously, as you're growing up and sorting out who you are and all the rest of it, it, it becomes a bit of a thing. And so it's actually in some ways helpful when people ask because it gives you this space to kind of be like, okay, well, that's true. And sort of starts questions and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's obviously, yeah, as I say, it's just a matter of sensitivity and, and it's, you know, exposure to navigating those conversations. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Cause I found that what's just fascinating for me might just be a really boring 700th time conversation for someone else. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just gauge people. Yeah. And I find particularly, um, older people much happier to talk about it because it's usually their parents or the immigrants, particularly in West Melbourne. Yes. And, um, yeah. also, I mean, at work, it often starts around surnames because, <laughs> can't pronounce okay, yeah. anyone. Yeah, I relate to that. I relate to that. <laughs> and to be fair, no one can pronounce my name either. So, so when I married into the, into the Doyle family, it made my life so much easier. So, what I made in there is like a sound. It's Maltese, but it is an unusual Maltese. <laughs> and my first name is Alessandra, which is Italian. So, a lot of S's. Anyway, it's just. Too many S's, lots and lots of consonants. It's just like... So is it an originally Maltese name or does it have another provenance? Oh, that's a really good question. A lot of people think it's Armenian, but my grandfather is 
very adamant that it is Maltese and Maltese only. Um, he's gone back through the history and all the rest of it and how it used to be spelled and how the spelling has changed and all this kind of stuff. He explained it to me once and it kind of went one ear and out the other because I was little. Um, but, yeah, so, it, I t- yeah, last names, man, I'll tell you what, when I got married, I'm like, yes, I am changing my last name. That is a big yes because it's so much easier. I don't know, over the phone now. So yeah, you get really good at the phonetic just, alphabet. Yeah, just, oh, gosh. Yeah, you do. Yeah. 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 No, it's not F for Fox. Yeah, well, I have to say F for Foxtrot because um, a lot of people say, um, put it as S for Fiddlers. Yes, so we had the opposite problem with Sakasan. Sakasan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sakasan, Sakasan, Sakasan. Um, is that one C or two? Is it a K? Is that an N or an M? Yeah. Like, just... No. Yeah. Although finally, I have had someone ask me, "Is it D O Y?" Well, having in no. defence of receptionists everywhere, having um, worked in <laughs> admin for a while, there are so many. Like someone had the surname Brown once, and I got them to spell it for me. And they're like, "Are you serious?" And like, I just really basically want to know: Do you have an E on the end or not? Because if there's a basic <laughs> word, someone will find a fancy That's way to true. spell it. <laughs> Yeah, it is true. It is true. I, like you can't, yeah. It, yeah. It's like the name yeah. thing. Does it have a Y in it? Does it have the yeah. 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 And um, Isabel, I didn't realise how many ways they were to spell Isabel, so I started working in reception. That's, um, that's Peppa Pig, darling. Um, yeah, that's true. My husband is John Paul, and so is my brother. And I spell it. Uh, is one a gene? And well, and also, there's is it hyphenated? Is it separate? Is it one word? Is it possibilities? <laughs> the possibilities are endless. And then, is it the English spelling or is it the French spelling? Yeah, because I know John Paul's often spelt Jean Paul, like Jean Paul. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, my father-in-law, he's Dutch, so that's where my surname comes from, but it's actually a Flemish name. I was going to say, it sounds prettier than... Yeah, actually, it's not pronounced Fiddler's yeah. in Holland, it's pronounced Fiddler's. So we just, yeah, yeah we, we stick sense. with Fiddler's. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's, I find particularly um, Polish names and Russian names always have a really interesting provenance because it, there's a lot of dynamic borders around that part of the world. And so... Yeah, and there's also, like, um, they're not tribes, that's not the right word for it. That's a terrible word. Uh, <laughs> Don't even know um, what you're trying to say to rescue you. Know, like, <laughs> when there's different dialects of language, they're all, like, Polish. Oh, yeah, well, different. there's high Dutch and low Dutch and high yeah. German and low German. And yeah, yeah. my father-in-law yeah. spoke a dialect when he came out. So I don't think dialects exist yes. as much anymore in Europe. But they were definitely yeah. a thing, I think, up until at least the 60s, where if you came from Naples, yeah, you couldn't under- the, the people in Rome couldn't understand you. Like it was yeah. Italian was a second yeah, language. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the same in yeah. the Basque from the north. And yeah, or danger. I always get confused now. <laughs> it's like asking me to remember too much of a 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah there we go. That's what. Um, yeah. Summary of it is: do your research as well, because if you're writing to like in a different country um, and nationalities. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. Um, Marlena Machetta, who wrote "Looking for Ella Brandy," she spoke about yes. this um, on the podcast, Better Reading Podcast, I think it's called, um, and they've got a really good series called. Uh, well, it's a podcast called Stories Behind the Stories, but they've got a series of six podcasts specifically about the craft of writing and hers, she talked about yeah. dialogue and right, when you're writing the Italian immigrants speaking English, like as a second language, yes. how to do it in a non-derogative way. And she said, I yeah. just listened to them yeah. and found out that they just use the most important words in the sentence to get the point across. So all the joining words kind of just went by the wayside yeah and I found yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in absolutely. my book because I've got Italians speaking Italian but obviously I don't speak Italian or write Italian because no one would understand it least of all me um, I've just got a different <laughs> tone for her but she just speaks the way she speaks and just I don't use words that yeah are typical phrases particularly that are typically English phrases yeah to stay away true. from them but, yeah but so otherwise it's, like it's just a all really important yeah. considerations, basically, because I think it's important for writers to take on the voices of people that they aren't, that they are not. So, like for you writing in Italian, you're clearly not Italian. I think it's, I do think it's important for the art world to be able to do that and to show the way of how to do it respectfully. Because I think that some people say, "Oh, well, you shouldn't do it at all," and I, I don't think that's right because then some voices don't get heard or, you know, there's always talk about representation and, and diverse representation and that's important. But if you basically say to people, well, because you're not that, you can't write. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, it's the own it's voices kind of, you know what I mean? um, debate it's called, hashtag own voices. And, um, yeah. yeah, and it is interesting, excuse me, I've got a cough, <coughs> because um, I think the end of it is that, I mean, it's not like you don't have a right to write whatever you like, but if you do a bad job of it, you're going to get mm. called out. So it's in your best yeah, interest totally. to do a good job <laughs> of it, otherwise everyone's just right. going to think you're an idiot. Um, mm. Yeah, which is interesting. <sighs> I'm, yeah, it is. It's, I think, yeah, we could go on and on. I've just looked at our clock <laughs> and I think we better wrap it up because we've been going okay well so if you have um, any questions or we'll even any comments time. anything you'd like to share with us or fill us in on um if you want to tell us where your surname's from we'd we'd be fascinated yeah um absolutely fascinating um you can contact us on instagram is probably the best one i'm at sarah fiddlers and leslie is at ag, at AG underscore, doyle. underscore doyle so yeah 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 yeah, Doyle is much yeah. easier than Saxon. So, yeah. If you can't find Fiddlehead, <laughs> just talk to Lessie. Um, yeah. And yeah, awesome. we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, we'll see more. Watch my Instagram yes. for oils. And I'll go and tidy up my Sarah's <laughs> Find a Find an Instagrammable <laughs> plant. Actually, I've got a lot of cherry blossoms at the moment. I'll stick cherry blossoms in there. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Do it.
I'm looking forward to the cherry, cherry blossoms right. and timber. See you next. All week. right.